Um, as Dave mentioned, continuing our series, uh, Strong and Courageous. I don't know about you, I've really enjoyed this series. Um, this Sunday is a continuation, if you remember from last Sunday, um, the verse that we looked at actually contained kind of two different armor pieces. And so we talked uh, last week about the helmet of salvation, but in that very same verse, it also mentions the sword of the Spirit. And so that's where we're going to sort of continue and land today. Um, but just before we do that, um, focused on the sword of the Spirit, I wanted to just remind you, one of the things we talked about last week, uh, it, because you understand, you know, these obviously are, are, are metaphors uh, for the things of the spirit, we know that we don't fight against enemies of flesh and blood, but against those rulers and powers uh, and, and sort of the unseen realm. And so these different pieces of armor, we understand, um, are ways of taking a, a concrete earthly concept or object to illustrate a spiritual reality. Like that, that's, that's what we've been doing as we've been walking through these verses. And one of the things that we talked about last week when we're talking about the helmet of salvation and, and how that relates to wholeness in your mind, so we talked about how right believing, in other words, having our beliefs and convictions and thoughts align with the truth of God's word, will do three things. It will protect us, it will preserve us, and it will provide to us the tools that we need to be successful in this battle that we all face. You know, to, to talk about this in a different way for just a moment, we know uh, what's the old phrase that I, I, I've heard it used so many times. You know, it's like when you think about the uh, overarching spiritual battle for a Christian, it's like I've read the end of the book, we win. So it's never a question of, uh, of ultimate victory, but we are caught in the tension between the, the, the battle has been won. In other words, the thing that needed to be accomplished to acquire victory has happened, but we've not full, the Lord has not fully consummated that reality. And so we're caught in this in-between of the, the authority of God has said, the kingdom of darkness will end. I will have victory. I will have everything that I've promised you, and, and we're still moving towards that becoming our reality, becoming our experience. And so we need tools and practical things to help us continue to walk out our daily life in a way that recognizes um, that we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. In other words, we've already possessed that victory, but we're moving towards that being fully expressed. We're moving towards that actually being the reality that we experience. And I wanted to remind us of this because as we look today at the sword of the spirit, this is one of the key tools that right believing can help provide to us. The sword of the spirit. I just want to read just the, I'm not going to read the whole passage this time, but verse 17, where we started last week, as we went through all the other things, we come to this verse, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Don't you love that? He's like, Just in case you don't get the metaphor, this is what it means. This is what it is. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So one of the things that we're going to explore briefly today is... Uh, 
it sounds so interesting. Well, what is the Word of God? Well, we know what the Word of God is. It's, it's, it's the Bible, and that's true. That's absolutely true, and we believe, um, along with Orthodox Christianity for thousands of years, that, that the Bible is true and accurate and infallible, inspired by God, that it's trustworthy, um, and yet I think there's more to it than that. You may have heard these uh, words used before, but when we uh, try to define the Word of God, there are two different things that come up. There's the word logos and the word rhema. And uh, you could go a lot deeper with these definitions, but I just wanted to give us enough of a frame of mind and a context for today. So when we look at logos, you could define it word, thought, principle, or speech. And, And often in the Christian context, It's most often used to refer to the written and recorded Word of God, which we have here in the Scriptures, as we call them, the Bible. Um, And it can also sometimes more specifically even mean the actual recorded words of Jesus, you know, words that he actually said, but it can also be uh, meaning the entirety of Scripture, because even the portions of Scripture that are not direct recordings of words that Jesus said, we'd still believe that it was all inspired by the Holy Spirit, and and it is the Word of God. Now, you might think, just looking initially at the definition of rhema, an utterance or a thing said, well, how is that different? Because we're saying that the things that Jesus said in the Bible are logos. Well, if you were to dig further into the meaning, there's a there's a, a part of the meaning of this word rhema that implies that it's that it's active. It refers to activity more than just and and by a living being. So in other words, if we could sort of boil it down for our purposes today, we have the written and recorded words of Jesus, the Word of God, which is Scripture, which we know is also active and alive. And how does that flesh out? It's because God is actually still active, still speaking, and, and that's what that rhema word is. It's, it's the things that God is continuing to speak. This is uh, also applied to specific gifts of the Spirit, such as prophecy and words of wisdom. Those are working out of God still speaking today, and that is a hallmark of things uh, that are important to us as kingdom people, that we, we actually do believe that uh, God didn't say when they closed the canon of Scripture and determined these are the books of the Bible, I, I'm done now, I'll see you when you get here. You know, that, that's, that's not how that worked. He is an active God who's continuing to work with us, who's continuing to speak. And I like to think of it this way, uh, because we've probably all had experiences where we, we felt in some different way, either through uh, just sort of a knowing in your heart, or an impression, or through the scripture coming alive to you, or through the word from a friend that God was trying to speak to you. But I think sometimes we don't recognize how actually God's word is more like the rain. The rain, it says, falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you're in the middle of a storm, the rain can just be like everywhere. And, and the reason I bring that up is that sometimes we can get caught up um, and, and feel like, oh, well, you know, the Lord was speaking, and I, I didn't get it. I didn't figure it out. I missed it. And, and the beautiful thing, in using this analogy, in my mind at least, is that if you think of God's word as, as the rain, it's like, if I don't pick up on it, somebody else is going to pick up on it. 
This is what, you know, we talk about all the time, this, this tapestry of, of co-discerning as a community, the voice of the Lord. Like, that's how it is, because, because he doesn't designate uh, me or some other leader and say, well, I'm going to funnel all the, you know, things that I want to say to my people through them. I mean, he does use us. I mean, we, we ask for that. We ask for the Lord to use us as a, as a conduit to speak to you so that what I'm bringing you this morning is not just uh, good advice from my life experience. I hope to actually bring you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord. But everyone is able to hear it. The, the, the word of the Lord uh, comes like rain and, and, and is available. And so this is why we, we talk about those phrases all the time about co-discerning, about, about how everyone is able to hear. He is speaking uh, often much more than we realize because maybe it's subtle. Uh, but, but the point this morning is that we need both. We need the written Logos word, the recorded word, because there's life in it. And God, by his spirit, this is one of the ways, you may have never thought of it this way, but this is one of the most common ways that believers will experience that rhema word, is that, you know, sometimes you're reading a passage and you're like, I've read this 15 times, but today it just looks different. Like something jumps out at you or catches your attention. Like, I, I, I know I've read this, but I, I never saw that. That's one of the most obvious ways that that, that is the Lord through his, his written Logos word is bringing his active spirit and, and speaking to you directly. Um, and we could spend a whole message just on this and all the different ways that, that God speaks to us and interacts with us. But I want to I bring us back without understanding that what this verse in Ephesians 6 is talking about when it refers to the sword of the Spirit, it's referring to both of those things together. Because I've often heard this passage preached on uh, as a pretext for saying, um, in a very disciplined way, we just need to read our Bible more. And when we have spiritual warfare, we need to quote Scripture at the devil. And I'm not actually saying that, that those are tools we shouldn't use. But again, I think we've sometimes limited what's available to us, and there's this whole other side of what the author is talking about when he says the sword of the Spirit. If you uh, go back with me, I know I've referenced this a few times already through the series, but if you go back with me to that opening illustration at the beginning of the series, the, the, the Red Rover, you know, with, with the back and forth, we talked a lot about how my friend that I used in the story uh, was able to resist. Well, I want to bring your attention to a verse in James chapter 4 because this is exactly what we've been talking about. James encourages us, humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I talked to you before about how we as believers are not purely on defense. You know, if, if we are alive in Christ, if we are unified and moving forward in mission, we're actually on the offense. We are pushing back. That's our call, is to destroy the works of the devil, to push back the kingdom of darkness. And so resisting is not a matter of, of always just planting your feet and insulating yourself from attacks. It's actually moving forward and recognizing that as we move forward, that begins to have an effect. We actually bring damage to the kingdom of darkness, and that's when the enemy will resist. 
That's when he will come against us because what the truth is, we're actually pushing into his territory. When we speak truth over lies, we're pushing back the kingdom of darkness. And the enemy is not okay with that because as the kingdom of light increases, the kingdom of darkness decreases. Well, you don't have to think about it real hard to realize any, anybody worth their salt is not going to like it when their kingdom decreases. And so just remember that we are on the offense. But, but this is so key when we read this phrase. What do we... <laughs> we talked about this before. What good does it do, you know, to just curse the darkness? You know... And, and, and let me phrase this a different way, because I've said that too many times. Um, how often do we, do we pray in that way? We simply pray against the thing that's coming against us. And again, don't, don't, don't reduce it to, I'm saying never do that. But is it all too often that, that we pray from a place of defense? God, this thing's coming against me and... and, and our whole prayer is focused on get rid of that thing, push it away from me. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes that's not real effective for me. But what's always effective, and, you know, we don't always remember to do it. We're always prepared and in this place. But when you begin to declare truth, when you begin to say, all right, this thing has come against me, but what does God have to say about that? This is where the sword of the Spirit comes to play and we're going to we're going to go further with that in a minute but if you think about again going back to um the natural as we sort of compared to uh the armor of maybe a roman soldier or something like that the a sword um from those times if it was properly sharpened could pierce or cut through almost anything like my point is um, that to carry that forward into the analogy that the sword of the Spirit is a very extremely effective weapon. We've talked about all these different pieces of armor. We do need protection. We do need to hold on when, when we don't feel positioned well. But we need this tool because it's actually extremely effective. And this is what James is referring to. If you are able to successfully resist the devil, he will flee. Like, because he knows the same truth that I just shared with you, that we actually already have the victory. So he knows that he actually doesn't stand a chance. And so if his schemes and lies and devices uh, don't trip you up, don't hook you and get you to fall into uh, misinformation or deception, he's not going to stick around. Like, in other words, when the sword of the Spirit comes out and starts, you know, declaring truth he's not going to hang around for that because he's not interested it's, it's offensive to him this is one of the things that happens uh when we worship now you know i don't have to explain that doesn't just mean when we sing you can sing and not worship you can worship and not sing they're not the same thing we often express worship through music and 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 that's why often you will feel the atmosphere shift when when hearts are truly turned towards the Lord. When our affection is turned towards him, and, and it, just in case you didn't know, that's what it's all about. I, 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 I've never heard it said in this particular tribe, but you ever hear somebody say, oh, you know, I, just, I didn't get anything out of worship today. You know what? 
You're not supposed to. We, we often do. Don't get me wrong. But it's not for you. It's not for you. It's for him. It's us bringing something to him. It's us turning our affection towards him, giving him praise and adoration and, and declaring his truth. But the reality is in his kindness, in his goodness, as we bring that to him with sincere hearts, he then reflects back to us. That, that two-way interaction that we talk about begins to happen because the reality is uh, as we bring that to God, he looks back at you and begins to sing over you. You're the apple of my eye. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. Here's the truth about how I feel about you. And so that two-way interaction begins to happen. And so that's where we can get tripped up because we know that happens. But that, that's not the point. We're not coming to God so we can get something. We're bringing him something because he's worthy of it. Even if he doesn't reflect back, even if he doesn't uh, answer our prayer or change our situation, our adoration of him is based on his character. It's based on his identity. It's based on who he is. And if we were to truly stop and begin to count the things of the Lord, we would realize, uh, I've often said it this way in, in my own ways, Lord, if you never did another thing for me, I still don't have enough lifetime left to adequately thank you for what you've already done. Like, I don't need him to do something else to uh, prove his worth, to, you know, be, be worth what I can bring to him. Truth be told, he could have never done anything for me personally, individually in my life beyond the finished work of the cross, and that would still be true. What he has done in order to reestablish the covenant relationship with his children is worth all the praise and adoration. And if we never had a moment's favor in this world, he's still done enough and is enough in who he is to be worth it. As we worship, we are effectively practicing the sword of the Spirit. Because the word of God is coming, it's going back and forth, it's coming. and that's why when an atmosphere of true worship happens, the enemy can't stick around. When an atmosphere of true worship happens, the enemy can't stick around. And that doesn't always necessarily mean that like things have to get wild. You know, that like that can happen and it may not. That's not the point. The same thing as a, any particular manifestation of the Holy Spirit is not the point. It's not the thing that we're seeking. But if you recognize, and we, we, are, we are blessed, and, and I know I hear this from, from some of you uh, frequently. One of the things that, that we love about this community is that the Holy Spirit meets with us regularly. That, that as a family, we experience his tangible presence in moments and, and in worship and in different things. And what I want you to think about is sometimes what's happening in those moments is that the, the, whether it be God's peace or some other manifestation of his character, as that thing comes into the room, the other uh, things begin, begin to lessen. I don't know how many of you have heard or read about or seen uh, the revival that started uh, just this past week at Asbury University down in Kentucky, but this has been one of the particular, uh, let me back up and say, 
this particular revival has not necessarily been characterized um, as wild, if you will. Like, in other words, uh, there are significant things happen. Uh, I, I just read a story this morning of um, of a team of folks that uh, a friend of mine who was there was observing. There was a team of maybe five or six people surrounding this one young man and, and praying. And this goes on for some time, and, and, and it's like more people just keep coming. And eventually there's 20 or 30 people uh, praying for this young man. And uh, I want to say, I think he said maybe for an hour or two, this continues. And then it finally kind of disperses. They, and they're, they, there's some celebrating. And so he's like, and one of them comes by, he's like, what, like I got to know, like, what, what's going on? He's like, uh, he had a tumor, I think they said, under his tongue or on his tongue, um, and it's completely gone. Like, it just disappears. Like, and he's going to the doctor tomorrow to get it verified, and then he'll come back tomorrow night and, and testify once he's, like, got the proof. Um, so there are things like that happening, but but the thing that I've heard consistently from folks that are there experiencing that, that one of the primary manifestations is the deep, deep peace of God. And uh, if you've seen some of the pictures, there's like, so they, they try to like close the meetings in the evening. Like, all right, you know, like it's, it's, it's time to go home and people just won't leave. There's, there's literally this like such a strong desire to stay in that tangible presence of the Lord that they just don't leave. And, and this particular story that I just told about, that was two hours after the meeting had dismissed. It's like, you know, it's like two hours after the thing is over. It, it actually hasn't been over. It's been going continuously. And the, the college is doing a great job of, of hosting that. Um, and some of the students have even like, I, I've seen pictures like they've, they've drugged their dorm mattresses into the auditorium and they just sleep there. Like they just, they just don't want to leave because it's that tangible and it's so sweet, and, but but I just my point was that the overarching manifestation is that is that of peace. You know, some of us when we think the word revival, uh, we can think a lot of different things, and God doesn't always fit our box. But my point is, in that atmosphere, the living, active, breathing, in the moment Word of God is there. And is extremely effective at resisting the enemy. And, and this is what, uh, I, I want to give you one more story, just because it helps illustrate where I'm going. There's a professor, so Asbury uh, University, and then across the street is Asbury Seminary. Uh, that's only important because this particular professor actually works at the seminary. It's been going on for a while, and he hadn't just hadn't crossed the street and went yet. And he decided that he would go over and, and check things out. And in his mind, I'm just going to pop in for 10 minutes. I just kind of want to see what's going on. Because he had things to do, like all of us, right? Like he, he has important things to do. And he said he slipped in, he went, and he just literally just sat in the back row. And uh, the way he described it, because he actually gave like an account of what, what he experienced. And the first thing that he gave as an account was... Um, he had been there about 10 minutes, and then he came to. Like, he had no conscious memory, like, of the first 10 minutes. And he came to, and, and he kind of described the same thing, but he was like, that all the things that, that are legitimate that he needed to do suddenly just seemed like so much less important. Like, there was no 
So it's not that those things didn't need done, but his anxiety about it, his stress about it, his worry about it, it's like all that just melted in the reality of the prayer. And he stayed an hour and went ahead and left. It's not, not that ever, you know, he, he didn't stay for some extremely extended point of time. But what was so impressive to me as he wrote this account, uh, he said he stayed for an hour because he was so drawn to it. And, and, and the experience, but he said, even what I experienced in the first 10 minutes was enough to impact me for a lifetime. Like, this is what I'm talking about when I say this is how effective the sword of the Spirit is. The Word of God, we know that the Bible says that when the Word of the Lord goes forth, it won't return void. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be in our timing. It's not always going to manifest the way we want. It's not going to look what we want. It may not even be what we ask for. But the words, the Lord's word is extremely effective. I want to go on uh, before we try to wrap up this particular message and, and try to get to some uh, practical application for, okay, this all sounds great and exciting, but what do we do with it? I want to go on and read uh, the next verse. In Ephesians 6, so we're going to, we were in 17, we're going to go ahead and read verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Again, it's like, we're we're touching on things that we could probably do a whole other message on. But this is what we're talking about when we say we want to prepare. We, we don't want, as Christians, we, we should understand the reality of what we're doing so that we're not always being reactionary. In other words, when Jesus comes and says, I tell you the truth, in this life you will have trouble. Like... We might not like that, but it's a promise. It's a guarantee. It's a fact. You will have trouble. And, of course, he encourages us, you know, it's okay. I've overcome the world, but while you're still there, you're going to have problems. And so in light of that reality, what he's encouraging us to do is to stay prepared at all times, to use the tools that he's given us to pray in the Spirit. This is one of the things that I I remember so vividly um, when we were... uh, in our years in Urbana, going through the pastoral internship. And at that time, you know, a lot of the things of the Spirit were still fairly new to us. And I remember uh, one of the pastors talking to us about uh, being on uh, a missions trip in Mexico and uh, sort of driving up this mountain in a somewhat, let's just say, substandard vehicle on a certainly substandard road um, and it was like legitimately terrifying. Um, and, you know, probably a level of anxiety, you know, am I going to, am I going to, you know, toss my cookies? Like, you know, there's just all different kinds of things that you're worried about. And he remembered that a mentor had told him that uh, any time that any level of fear is present, um, to actually pray in the spirit, if you have a, a prayer language, to actually pray in tongues is one of the best things you can do in that moment because it totally totally confounds the enemy like he doesn't he doesn't get it at all it it's it's allowing by the holy spirit uh from a place deep within inside of you 
communing with God in a way that, that the enemy has no idea what, what you're saying, what's going on, and it, and it just, it's just an effective tool. And this is one piece, this is just one piece, there's a, a number of other applications of what it means to the sword of the Spirit, the active and living Word of God, because the Bible tells us that when we do that, when we pray in the Spirit, we're actually just giving our voice to the words that, that, God, is, that God is bringing. It's, it's, not a, it's not a mental exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to, to in a very visible way, use us as a conduit. And uh, I would just pause to say here and give you just a quick plug. Uh, if that's something that you've not experienced or not heard a lot of teaching about or you're just interested in, um, even if you don't come to the rest of the course, we'll be advertising in a few weeks Holy Spirit Day as part of the Alpha course. We have a special Saturday set apart. We'll have three different sessions, and the entire day is dedicated to the Holy Spirit. And we'll be exploring these things in depth. We'll have opportunities um, for teaching, for questions, and then in a very uh, you know non-manipulative, low-pressure way, um, have teams of people who operate in these gifts available to help you if that's something that you would like to have the Lord give you as a gift. Because he says, if you want it, just ask me and I'll give it to you. And so we're going to explore that. So I just like step aside and, and put that plug in. Um, I'm not going to say the date yet because we're still finalizing details, but um, sometime later in March, uh, and we'll just keep that on your radar if, if this uh, particularly is of interest to you. I want to come back to the verse where we started today and just give you some, some final thoughts. I just want to read it again. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I don't have this. Uh, let me just give like a disclaimer. I, I'm still working through. I don't know that I have really clear and articulate language for this, but I'm just going to like invite you into what I'm processing I read this, and I'm like, why does it why does it say take the sword of the spirit? Like to me, the the language of that is like I don't know, maybe aggressive is too strong, but it's like you know, because everything else has been you know you know, shoe your feet with peace, you know, put on the helmet, and it's like, but take the sword of the spirit. Like this is like. The, 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 the pinnacle. This is the, this is the key tool. If you have all the other things in place, it's like this is, the, this is the crowning jewel. This is the thing that will ensure your victory. This is the thing that uh, even if everything else seems to not be working, this is like your secret weapon. When, when the enemy seems to be winning the battle, if you can find your way to take the sword of the Spirit and to use it, it won't let you down. One final thought. I talked to you about this a little while back because I, I would love to explore uh, more in the future about what that means to use the existing written word of God. But as I, I told you probably several weeks ago, we need both. We have a, we, uh, we in the vineyard here, you know, are what can sometimes be coined as empowered evangelicals, meaning we're, we're kind of in the middle. We're not strictly 
evangelical and anti-charismatic, and we're not necessarily uh, Pentecostal and anti. We're 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 because part of, and I say this just filtered through my own experience. So if you're is this different, that's okay. I came from an evangelical background. That's how I grew up. And one of the things that was central in my belief system growing up was an extremely high value for the Word of God. The Scripture is important and it's infallible and it's useful for teaching and training and, and all of these things. And oftentimes what happens, although we, most people would never say it this way, people and groups and movements and denominations tend unintentionally most times to emphasize one over the other. We, we, we are so concerned with elevating the word of God that we unintentionally forget about the Holy Spirit. Not that we don't ever say his name, but we don't actively engage. We don't actively pursue. And on the other extreme, we can be chasing, we may have experienced something and begin chasing after the manifestations and the gifts of the Spirit uh, so passionately that we leave the Word of God, that we no longer discern the spirits, that we just chase after the feelings and the cool manifestations to the detriment of, of, of discerning those things against the existing Word. And one of the things, and, and don't, don't hear me in a way that I'm saying that this is exclusive to us or we've got this figured out, but it's one of the beautiful tensions that Vineyard tries to live in is that we don't think that you need to do one at the expense of the other. We want to be word and spirit people. And, and that doesn't diminish either. It actually elevates both equally because what I think you'll find, and I pray that you would experience as you try to, to apply this and walk it out in your life, as that, both sides actually work better when they are coupled together. That to, to read the written word of God without the Holy Spirit is an exercise in futility. I mean, and don't, you know, I know some people say, you know, well, you know, it's just, it's just hard for me. It, it, it's dry. It's hard to understand. There's all these different things. I get that. And, I, and I'm not saying I don't, I don't ever feel that way. It is, but the way to address that is to invite the Holy Spirit into it, to ask him to enliven the word, to indwell it, to speak to you through it. Because listen, friends, the point of this word is to point you to the one who wrote it. Everything that we read in Scripture is an invitation to know the one who spoke it in the first place and not just know about him, but to know him in the moment to know him today, to know and hear what he's still speaking, the way that he's speaking to you right now. And, and I, not, not because of the message that I, I'm sharing with you right now, but I know for a fact that he's doing that right now. He's speaking to you. Whether it's through my words or through things that he's uh, sort of bubbling up in your heart, or, or things that may happen as we go and worship through music here in a few minutes. God is speaking. And our, the, our choice is are we going to listen and are we going to respond?
Are we going to take the sword of the Spirit? Because that word of God is, is there. It's active. It's going forth. And that's not stopping. This is why it tells us to take the sword of the Spirit. Because that word is going forth. And it's up to you. Are you going to grab hold of it and do something with it? Or are you just going to let it pass you by? Well, that was nice. Yeah, that was encouraging. I like that. But are you going to do something with it? Are you going to take the sword of the Spirit? Are you going to take the word? And are you going to actually steward it? Are you going to use it in your daily life? The Lord speaks a word to you. Are you going to actually write it down? Do you believe it enough that you think, all right, the Lord just spoke this to me and it doesn't line up with my experience today. I guess maybe I didn't hear right. And granted, sometimes we don't. I think we underestimate sometimes what it takes to move from the word that God gives to seeing it in reality. God operates outside of space and time. So when God gives a word to you, what he's doing is he's seeing your future reality and he's trying to help move you in that direction. That's one of the things that the word of the Lord does. And we need to take hold of that. And this is the difference between mental assent. In other words, just, yeah, that, that's true. I believe that. If you really believe it, you'll do something with it. This is one of the reasons to try to, to try to bring this into those real practical things that I was talking about. This is the reason I have a journal. And that can look different for everybody. You'll say, oh, yeah, I just find a way or a place to, to keep those things. I use a digital journal, and I'd love to show it to you if anybody's interested. Um, but when I feel the Lord say something, I record it. And, and the best part about that is this is what happens to me all the time. I have a regular habit of going back and reviewing those things. And oftentimes it's been so long that if I don't go back and review, I don't even remember that. And then I go back year, days, months, years later and realize, oh, I'm finally starting to actually see this in my life. The Lord spoke that then. Take the sword of the Spirit. Do something with it. Steward the words of the Lord. And I mentioned to you, this is one of the things, on, on, at least on a low level, we've started doing here in our, in our church body. It's recording those words of the Lord. The things that, that are unique to us. doesn't make us better, but they're the things he said to us. And so we're going to take those and allow those things to guide us. Um, and I'm going to just begin to not go that direction because that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Let me just encourage you to ask the Lord how he's speaking to you. And then as you recognize that he's doing that, what are you supposed to do with it? And I'm just going to leave it that open-ended because the Lord can fill in the blank because everybody's situation is different. But this is what we're instructed to do. Take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, or if I could phrase it this way, obey His voice. Whether it comes through the written Word, whether it comes through prophecy from a friend, whether it comes from an encounter in a worship service, it all emanates from his voice, and that's where life is. So obey it. Take it. Do what he asks you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you 
We thank you for your word. We thank you because we recognize and are reminded that it is active, alive, present, good. And so I ask, Father, right now in Jesus' name that you would take the words that have been spoken and your word that is going out and, and, and reigning on hearts throughout this room and throughout those who are watching online. And I ask that you would help those words find their place, that you would give us boldness to take those words, to take the sword of your spirit, which is your word and which is your voice, and do something with it. Give us courage to step out and follow you when you speak. Come now, Holy Spirit, as we worship you in Jesus' name.